What's up, party people? Rob Cruz, Transcending Sport, episode number seven. My guest, Mike Stella, head athletic trainer, AMP Sports, Athletic Movement Protocol, Recovery Lab. He's going to break it down for us today. We're going to be talking about importance of recovery, the origin of pain, the difference between flexibility and mobility, posture issues, building strength, Olympic weightlifting, and more. Let's go. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. Welcome to Transcending Sport. I'm your host, Rob Cruz. Our guest is Mike Stella, head trainer at AMP recovery labs in long island new york if you are not following him on social you are out of your mind we're going to get into some very important topics today and we will give you his social at the end of the show so that you can contact and follow him but for now without further ado mike stella what's up what's going on rob thanks for having me bud good to have you on the show so this has been a long time coming obviously we had your partner on the show already and, yep. uh, on the first episode, and um, I, I knew I had to get you on here because obviously there's so many things that we can, and, and obviously we want to get. I want to get you on the show on a regular basis, actually. <laughs> I'd be happy to do it, man. I know this to talk about because, um, and and I guess you know, with with regards to recovery lab. So please tell me, give, first tell us a little bit about you, um, your background, where you went to school, all that good stuff, and then we take it from there. All right, so. Um... I'm a certified athletic trainer by trade. So um, I did my undergrad in sports medicine and athletic training. Um, I've worked I worked most of my career, I mean, at least the first half of my career in collegiate sports. So I worked for the University of Florida, George Washington University, LIU Brooklyn um, for a number of years. Um, I got my master's in sports management at, um, at George Washington. And then I moved over to the private sector. So I was working in physical therapy clinics in Manhattan before TJ and I teamed back up and we started uh, AMP and, and I started uh, Recovery Lab within AMP. Okay, cool. So explain to me what Recovery Lab is. Okay. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, Recovery Lab Recovery Lab is basically, it's an athletic training room, right? So, we, I, you know, I took kind of my experience from Florida and, and seeing what the athletes would get there at like the highest level of D1 sports. And, we, and then what, basically what we did is we stripped it down. We stripped it down of all the stuff that we didn't think we absolutely needed. Um, so we kept it really simple. So recovery lab is mostly manual therapy based. So we do a lot of soft tissue work, things like Graston technique, um, uh, myofascial release, active release techniques, manual resistance, strength training. And, and I pair that with corrective exercise programs. So if athletes have issues or, or movement issues, we're, we're addressing that proactively instead of waiting for them to get hurt and then sending them to the doctor. Okay. Okay. So walk me through that. Okay. I'm a pitcher. I'm a high school pitcher. I'm 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 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's 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 say I'm in season, in a high school season, for example. Okay. And what? How, how do you help me? How, how can you help me? Well, I mean, it really depends. I mean, you know, for any athlete that walks through the door, you know, I, I kind of take the same approach as them, whether they're hurt or not. So yeah. I do like I do a full evaluation of their movement. So we do a movement screen. Um, I'll look at their posture. I'll look at their injury history. Um, things that they've struggled with in the past, and then you take that, you know, their lifestyle, their stress, you know, different stresses in their life, and then I take all of that objective data and we come up with a a movement diagnosis. So 
you know, especially for a sport like baseball or softball, like a throwing sport, you know, you got a shoulder problem, but is it really a shoulder problem or is it a problem somewhere else in your body that's just rearing its ugly head in your shoulder? So I kind of take a little bit more of a zoomed out approach. Instead of just zooming in and getting tunnel vision on the shoulder, we look at everything and start attacking the different areas of the body that can be contributing to that painful joint. Um, and if you're somebody who's healthy and you haven't had any pain or in injuries yet, but I do find something on the movement screen or I do find something on the posture, that's like a red flag. So it doesn't mean that you will get hurt, but it means that an injury could be on the horizon. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll design programming around that to mitigate that and prevent an injury from happening. So let me ask you a question. If you have an, um, what, what's the, what's the biggest issue that you find you have to deal with the most common issue that you have to deal with? Uh, with like our high school athletes, like younger younger athletes. Yes, I would say the biggest thing we deal with is you know the poor posture problem. Um, I feel like you know kids these days with the access to technology, they're always on a computer, they're always on their phone, they're always hunched over and looking at a small screen. And basically, what's happening is their bodies are adapting that forward shoulder, forward head posture. And what, what's what's going on is like kids are losing their prerequisite movement to play a sport like baseball or softball or really any throwing sport. Now, if you think about it, if your shoulders are always closed off and hunched over and internally rotated and then, you know, all day, and then you go out for an hour or two to play baseball in the afternoon and you need to demand max external rotation, you're, you're, you're asking your body to do the exact opposite set of things all day. So I think, you know, increasingly sedentary lifestyles are the biggest problem that I see. And that goes for my general population clients too. Okay. So, so how do you correct that? What's the corrective? What's the corrective measures that you're taking, or, or or that you're asking your clients to do to be able to reverse that posture issue? I think the biggest thing is educating them. You know, making them aware of it. A lot of people, you know, the first thing, like you get a kid with a shoulder problem, he's sitting on my table, and mom and dad are sitting on the couch, and you know, he's all hunched over. You know, and I call it the belly button black hole, where everything gets sucked in towards his belly button. And, you know, the first thing I ask them is like, hey, you know, Johnny, does that look, does this look athletic to you? And they go, oh, no, I guess not. It's like, well, this is a problem. This, you know, so here's your first free tip. Sit up straight. You know, your mom was right. You know, sit up straight, shoulders back, big chest, and, and don't let gravity dominate your whole life, you know? Right. Um, I think education is the biggest thing. And then once we get to that point, then we can start installing the corrective exercise stuff in their programming once they're training here to kind of mitigate that. That's cool. I, I saw this funny. I saw this uh, this little device that you put on your back of your neck. It's like an app that gives you uh, a visual on your phone of and reminds you when you're slumped over. Yeah. You see, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad that we've gotten to that point. That we to that. <laughs> I saw that the other day. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's pretty cool. All right. So, so let's talk about injuries. I mean, um, well, and I think from, from, I feel like injury prevention should be a bigger industry than injury rehabilitation. I agree with you. And so what are some of the measures? And so I, I want to, I kind of want to talk about, I want to talk about injury prevention and some of the things in your, when you're, as, as you're educating your clients, like what, what are some of the things you're talking about? And I'm specifically, you know, not just throwing injuries, but just, you know, what are some of the more common injuries that you, you, you help athletes with? in your prehab situations. Um, oh, I'm, 
yeah. injury. You know, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like it could be like ACL, you know, whatever it is, MCL. I'm not familiar with all the terms, but what are some of the other injuries that, that are not just throwing injuries? And what are some of the the uh, the um, preventative measures that we need to take? I mean, you know, honestly, Rob, we see it all here at AMP. You know, every day I come in. When I, when I get an eval on my schedule, it, it's always something different. I mean, we do see a lot of the same stuff since we do work with a, a heavy baseball soft population. We do see a lot of arm stuff, but I see a lot of low back pain. I see a lot of knee injuries. Um, and, and the biggest thing I think is, is having people understand that human bodies are highly complex organisms. You know, and that all of these individual systems, your your musculoskeletal system, your fascial system, your your digestive system, your respiratory system, your, you know, immune system, all of these things are linked together together. They all work um, synergistically in your body. And if any one of those things is off on some level, then you're going to feel a symptom. Um, right. The other thing I think I see a lot of is people that just don't understand what pain really is. Um, and pain science is something that, you know, relatively speaking in the industry is something very new. And we used to think pain was like a damage meter. You know, the more pain you had, the more damage you did to your body. And then we go look for an issue where the pain is. But pain in actuality is really just a, it's, it's a perceived threat. You know what I mean? So when you start understanding that, okay, this pain in my knee maybe isn't a knee problem. It's just, that's where I'm blowing all the stress off in my body because the knee is just taking the brunt of, the, the poor movement in my hip and ankle right. you know what i mean so taking a zoomed out approach and looking at a whole athlete holistically and the holistically kind of has that connotation of like geeky weird voodoo science but or pseudoscience but you know zooming out and like listening to people and, and seeing what they you know what they feel is contributing to their injuries on some level it's really it's a collaboration you know there is no one size fits all solution and i know and i think our industry looks for that but my response to that is if anything worked 100 percent of the time we would all do the same stuff exactly. you know what i mean so, it, well obviously biggest, you, have, you have different you have people that are di built differently genetically built differently different body types different and, history different you know what i mean so, so let's, talk, you gotta let's, let's, let's talk about that that body type thing because as a sure. hit, as a hitting instructor i'm finding that obviously it would be easy for me to say this is the swing that i teach that would be that would be so easy this right. is the swing that I teach. However, I'm dealing with different people with different movement sequence issues, flexibility issues, body types, bigger girls, slimmer girls, taller girls, shorter limbs, longer limbs. Um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in your field, what is the some of the differences? Like, for example, are there some injuries that are more common with girls that are girls or guys that are heavier are there, are there more injuries that are common with athletes that are slimmer longer limbs oh for sure and and what are those some of them absolutely i mean you know it's you can look at this a couple of different ways you have your hypo mobile athletes or the athletes that are just generally tighter you know they don't have as much flexibility or range of motion yeah. and then you have hyper mobile athletes that are very loose and very loose jointed right so you know, those loose jointed athletes are going to be more prone to joint injuries like ligament and capsule problems, right? 
And then those tight athletes are going to be more prone to things like muscle strains and tendonitis. Not to say that those are mutually exclusive, that you don't see them on either end of the spectrum, because it, it certainly you, you certainly see it on both sides. But it's like, what are you looking at for like a predetermining factor? You know, for athletes that are a little bit heavier, a little bit maybe overweight, which is getting more and more common too. Again, like I said before, as our lifestyles become increasingly sedentary, you know, kids don't go out and play anymore just to play. They, they, everything's organized, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, for, you know, if you're overweight for every pound of body weight you add, you're adding eight pounds at the hips, six pounds at the knee and four pounds at the ankle. You know what I mean? So uh, in terms of stress, Right. You know what I mean? So th those are things that amplify. I'm sorry, I actually reverse that. It's eight pounds at the ankle, four at the hip, right? Because as right. as that distance from your core increases, the stress increases. So that goes for your longer limbed athletes. You know, if your arms and legs are very, very long because your arms and legs are essentially levers from a physics standpoint, you're going to put more stress at those proximal joints or the joints closer to your body, like your shoulders and your hips. So let me so, go, okay, so I, so check this out. So I got, I read an article. All right, Vandegaard, the pitcher for the for the for the New York Mets. Syndergaard, yeah. Syndergaard, <laughs> Vandegaard. <laughs> so Syndergaard from the Mets, um, he just came out recently in a New York Times article and said, "I saw it, yeah." You saw that. He's he. I guess he, he was bulking up on some weights, a lot of weight. He believes that that's the reason for his injuries, his chronic injuries. Mm -hmm. And he's going to some kind of new stretching technique. That's right. going to help him with more, to be, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, more flexible. Right. Um, and sometimes I'll have athletes that'll, that'll say to me, Oh, guess what? I, I bench press such and such and such and such. Oh, guess what? I lifted. I deadlifted. You know, they get all excited about these big numbers in their deadlifts. Um, I don't necessarily believe that a higher deadlift number is going to translate into better athletic success on the field in every, in every instance. Right. In every instance. Absolutely. You're right. So, you know, what, what do you say to that? What are your thoughts? Well, well. First, first off, I mean, you you look at a guy like Syndergaard who throws 100 miles an hour. You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody's seen the picture of him when he was a kid, when he was like, you know, chubby and overweight, and you know what I mean. So, I don't know him, and and it's really easy to say, you know, be a Monday morning quarterback and 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 kind of say, oh yeah, all that weightlifting kind of screwed him this season. Right. But what I look at is, you know, the guys at that level excluding the guys that are like statistical outliers that are just freaks of nature talent wise most of those guys were always the hardest workers so if, if a guy like Syndergaard kind of found his calling in the weight room every offseason from when he was in high school until he made it to the major leagues and every offseason was get bigger get stronger throw harder so that I can make it to the next level then it's really hard for me to say that he was wrong in doing so last offseason he went out he worked his ass off. He put on some muscle. And I think you're right. There is a point of diminishing return when that muscle isn't quality. It isn't functional, right? When you, And flexibility and mobility are not the same thing. And I think people confuse those two things. Flexibility is passive. If I lay you on a table and I stretch your hamstring, how far can I push you? Mm -hmm. Mobility is how much of that can you do yourself and how much of that do you own? 
as a person. Mm -hmm. But can you raise that leg the same amount? So that's the difference between passive range of motion and active range of motion. Okay. So part of like what we do here, and, and the program that he's doing now is called FRC. It's functional range conditioning. And it's basically slow movement and it's basically teaching his nervous system how to use those ranges of motion that he didn't have before um so remember you know if i were to take a six inch section of your hamstring a six inch section of your bicep a six inch section of your calf whether you feel tight in those areas or not if i put them all on a table and stretch them out they'd all stretch exactly the same it's not a physical tissue problem mm -hmm. it's your nervous system sets that length tension relationship based on how you move, what things you do most of the time. You know, our bodies are adaptation machines. You know what I mean? So the, the adaptations that his body has made over the years to throw a baseball 100 miles an hour are what made him successful as an athlete. So, you know, it, it's difficult. I do think, though, if, if his range of motion, his mobility is a problem for him, that at this point in time in his career, addressing that now is going to elongate his career for sure. So, so bulking up doesn't necessarily disrupt fluidity and flexibility. And mobility. Absolutely not. If you're doing it the right way. I mean, Just if you're right going right. in the gym, if you're an, a sport or a field sport athlete and you're going and you're doing bodybuilding style workouts where you're just like isolating muscles and, and doing really high volume just for the purpose of putting on muscle, then yeah, that muscle's not going to be really functional because we don't isolate really anything. Like how often do you do a bicep curl in real life? Isolated. You, don't, you just don't. You know what I mean? But, you know, so that's, you know, I kind of think functional training is, is, is a, a term that gets thrown around a lot. And you see, you go on Instagram and you, you'll see, guy, you know, people squatting on a BOSU ball and, oh, that's functional. And that's the furthest thing from functional that there can be. Because how often are you on unstable surface right. doing that? Right. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, listen, you know, again, if you're somebody who's getting stronger and, and mass and velocity are directly correlated from a physics standpoint. So the bigger you are, yes, theoretically, you're going to be able to throw harder. But can you be efficient with that mass? And I think that's I the think, biggest thing is efficiency. And I think that's my biggest. So, for example, like we always talk about speed of the body, speed being fast, so, you know, move, right. fast movements, fast snaps in a throw, fast right. arm whip. Um rotational speed um so as i'm getting stronger am i also getting faster because sometimes an athlete can get stronger and get slower right and i think that's the thing that has to be managed because you still got you still have to come back to the sport right so i was looking at um you know you just you, you referenced um function of movement and some of the things that we do on unstable you know surfaces like you know but I feel like when when you when a player is working on an unstable surface, it, it it will help them help those neurons to kind of fire in that area to create a little bit more stability, so that when they go back to a stable surface, it can help them to be a little bit stronger, a little bit more stable. For yeah. sure. Listen, there's a time and a place for yeah. everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that that's not the the problem. Is an unstable surface training? It's just you know when when we when we classify that one thing as functional, right. and then. You have an entire um, generation of kids out there thinking in order to be functional, I got to do that. And you don't. Um, you know, the, these are tools, right? So you're using the unstable surface as a means to an end, not as just the end. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. So that, that's the thing. I'm a person who believes there's a time and a place for absolutely everything. It's, it's my job as a clinician, as an athletic trainer, as a performance coach to 
look at an athlete and determine, is this appropriate for you where you are today? Is this going to help you take this next step in our plan to get you from point A to point B? Right. And, and if the downside, if the risk is too high, then I'm not going to choose that. For example, Olympic weightlifting has been proven in the science to develop power in athletes, which is strength multiplied by speed, okay, which is what everybody wants. Great. Olympic lifting will help you do that. But anytime you add velocity to a weightlifting movement, the risk inherently goes way up. You know, it's a sport by itself. So to, for me to take a middle school or a high school or a high school kid, for example, and spend a lot of time on Olympic weightlifting, are there other ways that are less risky for me to build strength, build power, build endurance in an athlete that don't involve compromising or putting that kid at risk? And yet the answer is yes, there is. Okay. Um, so so those, it's it's really like managing downside in a lot of, in a lot of situations. So Mike, if you can give us three things. You, you want every young athlete to know, like top three, three top three. You know, you need to know. You need to. You need to know this. Three, three points. Three things that you're a young athlete, male, female, 16, 15, 14, whatever, 13, 17. Right. What do you, parents of, of athletes that are at that at that age level? I'm into it. I'm pretty serious. I'm serious enough about my sport that I'm going to a facility to work out. I'm, I'm you know, facilities that are similar to what you guys do. What, 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 what do you got for them? Um, the number one thing I would say is, and this is the number one thing I think for life in general, it, it's a process. Trust the process. You know what I mean? I think, I think kids today are very used to instant gratification because they get everything instantly on their phones, on their computers, in their lives. Like everything's very accessible. And, you know, a place like AMP didn't exist when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Because it just didn't. Um, so it's like, you know, it's a process. You get out of the process, what you put into the process. Yeah. And, and if you and if you're consistent, I think that's the other, the second thing. You know, you can't just work out for a month or two out of the year and then disappear and expect those results to stick or, or to even get results at that point. You know, you got to be consistent and just... Um, and like you said, commit commit to it. You know what I mean? You got to go all in. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say for kids is, you know, especially if they're athletes and they're looking to go on to the next level, and, and we see this a lot too, is, is, you know, grades are everything, man. You know, if you're not doing what you need to do in the classroom, then you're going to really limit your options to move on to the next level in college. So, um, you know, you, you got to be a well-rounded human being, I think, on, on a certain level to really succeed in, in sports. And, and, you know, we use the, the sports analogy as a life analogy, too, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Um, you know. Well, well I think, it, I think it, if, you have the, if you have the, um, the drive and the discipline for sure. to, to stick with the program, then you're probably going to be doing the same thing in your, in your academic life as well. Right. And I think one more thing I got for you on yeah. the injury stuff, because this is something I see a lot of my clients and, and the kids, is they have a pain, they have an injury, they run to the doctor, they get the MRI, the MRI shows something, and they think they're broken. And my message to every athlete or every person is you are not broken. There's nothing wrong with you just because the MRI says so. So I would say if you are dealing with an injury or something that you've struggled with that you aren't getting better, then you need to seek out different opinions because you can go to 10 different healthcare providers 
and you'll get 10 different answers on the same injury. None of those people are wrong. It's just they're using their toolkit and their experience to attack your problem. And we're all going to attack it from a different perspective. I'm not a surgeon, you know, so if you tear your ACL, I'm not the guy that can help you with that. But if you're looking to prevent that ACL tear or you're somebody who had one and you're trying to get back on the field, I can help you with that too. But it's, it's, you know, we, you know, it's a, it's a team. And I think healthcare has gotten very narrow minded um, and narrow focused. So don't, if you get a diagnosis, that's really condemning, go see other people, get different opinions and then travel down the path that makes sense to you as a person. You know what I mean? That's great. So Mike, I want, you know, I don't have, I don't have anything else. I mean, this was great. Um, I want to bring you back, obviously. Awesome. Um, yeah. I can't wait. Tell us our guest is Mike Stella. He is the head of head athletic trainer at amp recovery lab in Long Island, New York. Say I sit in New York to be exact. Um, where can we find you on social? Um, I think I'm the most active on my Instagram and my YouTube channel. So, um, you know, so my Instagram is a little bit of everything. It's Mike Stella underscore ATC. And then you can search for the AMP uh, YouTube channel. It's Athletic Movement Protocol. And then I put a lot of videos up on, you know, more, more industry videos, longer stuff on the YouTube channel. But I do a lot of shorter stuff, like little tips and tricks on the Instagram. Those are the two I'm the most active on. Okay. So there you have it. We got Mike Stella, the man. He's he's, he's very good at what he does. Obviously, I mean, you know, I, I get a kick out of listening to him and, wa- and watching his stuff on Instagram. It's always informative, and it's always what I like about it is that it's short. So I kind of yeah. It's kind of like you get, you're getting almost like the cliff notes. Yep. And it's also inspiring at the same time, and you kind of get to get a get a feel for um, you know what's real out there and how it affects you and how it affects your body and how we move. And how we keep ourselves healthy. So, Mike, again, I, w- I want to thank you for coming on, uh, on Transcending Sport. Nah, thank you, Rob. Happy to do it. Can't and, wait for um, my time.